When you think of this reading on Noah, that you know, there there are two things that come to my mind. First of all, the rainbow. I mean, that that is synonymous with Noah, and he, the rainbow is God's sign to us, and it's part of what is called the Noahic covenant, which is an unconditional covenant, unlike the others, or most of the others. Unconditional means that you don't have to do anything. God does everything. And um, he's responsible for keeping it. Uh, and he said he won't destroy the world with, uh, through a flood. And it was to Noah and the people of the world that followed Noah. So from generation to generation to generation. One of the things about a covenant, uh, you might get that confused with a contract. When you sign a contract, when you, do, when you have a contract, that's sort of a business arrangement. You know, everybody signs their name. It's kind of formal. But a covenant is something personal. A covenant is something where God, through his character, agrees to something, and if it's not unconditional, if, if it's a conditional covenant, then we agree through our character and through our love for God to do something as well. That is a covenant. And so we see this in Genesis 9, it, it says, and, and I'll go to the end of it, uh, this is the sign of the covenant that I'm making between me and you. And what was that sign? It was the rainbow. And so the covenant is one of the most important themes in the Bible. And it's, it's where God, through his covenants, seeks to rescue the world that he created. And the climax of these covenants is in Yeshua, where he finally does rescue the world in a sense. And uh, that is through that new covenant that we are all very familiar with. But, as I mentioned, I wasn't going to talk about covenants today, uh, because I thought Eric would. But I do want to go to the second thing that I think of when I, um, when I think of Noah. I think of what was the reason, what was the sin that was being committed that God was so furious with the people? What was the, really the root cause? Now, uh, I, Eric already quoted Genesis 6-5. It says... There was wickedness of humankind, and every inclination of the thoughts of their heart was only evil at all the time. And, and so, surely, as believers, if we understood, if we knew what God considered evil, we would try not to do it, right? Okay. So, uh, also in the parasha was this Tower of Babel, and in Genesis 11.4, uh, it says, then they said, come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower whose top reaches into heaven. So let's make a name for ourselves or else we will be scattered over the face of the whole land. So what was their sin? What was their sin? Think about it. Look at the scripture. 
Surely, as believers, if we knew what God considered evil, we would not try, we would try not to do it, right? Right. So, if we go a little further to, um, I guess it, it, maybe it's part of next week's parsha Lech Lecha, in Genesis 13, 13, we see the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were evil, very great sinners against Adonai. Uh, why was Lot willing to move there if there were a bunch of sinners there? Surely, as believers, if we know what God considers evil, we would try not to do that, right? Right, yeah. So we're looking to try and find out what is the root of the evil, that, se- that evil inclination that seems to come upon us. Maybe we can get a little better understanding by looking at Isaiah fourteen twelve. How you have fallen from heaven, O bright star, son of the dawn. How you are cut down to earth, you who made the nations prostrate. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of meeting in the utmost parts of the north. I will ascend from the high places of the clouds. I will make myself like El Yon. Now, I think it's fairly obvious what the sin was there. And yet, I'm not sure that's the root, the root sin that caused Hasatan, Satan, the angel, uh, um, to fall from heaven and, and, and rebel against God. Um, surely, as believers, if we know what God considered evil, we would not try and do it, right? Right. right. Let's look at a couple more thoughts, scriptures. So we know in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 3, uh, Adam and Eve's rebellion... Uh, against God is is said you shall um, the temptation was that they would be like God and if that was the reason they sinned I'm not quite sure there might have been more of a root reason than that so if you look at Genesis 4 7 God says to Cain sin is crouching at the doorway its desire is for you but you must master it this to me is one of the creepiest scriptures in all of scripture because of the truth to believers as as we look at this scripture and we get a picture in our mind's eye about sin. And think of it, sin is crouching at the doorway. It, it, is, it is right by you. And, and it says, its desire is for you, but you must master it. So we have a daily confrontation Um, Maybe it's a moment-by-moment confrontation with sin. And it is ready to pounce on you. It is ready to, to grab at you. It is ready to deceive you. 
it is ready to put something in your heart that you that makes you want to do it and god says we need to master it the last covenant obviously is what we call the new covenant and like the noahic covenant it's also unconditional yeshua atones for our sin but what is the root of our sin that he atones for because surely as believers if we know what god considered evil we would not try and do it right right you'd think so in order to consider what I believe is the root cause of sin, we're going to look at two scriptures. Number one is Proverbs 14.12. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. Now, to me, this is telling us what our problem is. And it's not talking about the sinner it's talking about the person who is going to become a sinner. So, and the way to become a sinner is to understand that what seems right to me is not necessarily what I should be following. But if I follow it, it's going to more than likely lead to death. It's, it's not going to be God's way. Because honestly, God and I are somewhat different. <laughs> I know you didn't know that. But it's true. And, and so what seems right to me is not always what God wants. So the second scripture that I really feel speaks to me about root cause is but each I'm sorry James 1 14 and 15 but each one is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own desire now my own desire means that these are things I like <laughs> these are things I want these are things that I desire to have and what God is saying is that I'm tempted when the enemy is dragging away and enticed by the very own desires that I have. And then when desire has conceived, you know, when, it's, when, when, the, the, when the seed has been, has been given, after a time, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Which is why sin is so hard to see, because sin doesn't happen usually in a second. Maybe the sin does, but leading up to it, there are lots of things that lead up to sin. And if we don't stop the things that lead up to sin, by the time we get to sin, We've sinned. So, let me just read that again. When, then when desire has conceived, 
So when, when my want, I used to tell, I don't know if it was Becca or Sarah, but I said, your want is too big. You, you have a, a want to that is way too big. And, <laughs> and so when, when desire has conceived, it's conceived, it's, it's thought about, it, it's, it's germinating. That's the time where we have to get rid of it. But it then gives birth to sin. And sin generally doesn't happen one time. It grows. And it grows. And when it's fully grown, it brings forth death. Now, if it brought physical death, which maybe sometimes it does, but most of the time it doesn't, when it, when it brings death, because it's not physical, we don't think of it. Because our, the way we think, it's more about physical death. But we don't think about our spirit dying and our soul dying and, and just, just the fact that we have become a product of, of negativity and, and which leads to death. So, my thought is this. The root of sin begins with I. Self, my desire to do it my way. Sin is when I prefer my own way to God's way. Sin is when I make my perceived needs and wants greater than God's desires. Sin is all about myself. What do I want? What do I need? What must I do? What can I get? What feels better to me? How can I win? How can I get more? How can I be not taken advantage of? What scriptures can I use even to make my cause correct in my argument? How can I prove that I'm right? It's all about me. And that's where sin begins. That's where sin begins. So if you look at a couple scriptures on sins, for instance, in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, we look at uh, the Hebrew scriptures first, and we say, as we read it, sing, uh, six things Adonai hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And you read these, you realize that it's all about the person and themselves, what they want, what they have plotted what they have. You know, sin is all about themselves. And the last one, which, which is such irritant to me, is one who stirs up strife among brothers. It is all based on me, 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 and me. And, and if you look at the New Covenant in Galatians 5, 19, the deeds of the flesh... Sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility. You know, and I'm sure in that part of the list, everybody's saying, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we get to strife, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition. And I'm sure we're not screaming as loudly now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So that's just... A few of them, it's things like these, which means there's a whole host of other things. Each sin begins with my wants, my needs, my thoughts, my opinions. 
Now, am I saying we shouldn't have thoughts? We shouldn't have opinions? No, but I am saying we should be strong enough or learn how to make them positive, how to direct them in the right direction. Rather than allowing ourself to be taken over by a, a self-centeredness and our actions be all about ourself, we learn how to make other people and, more importantly, God, more important than ourself. And we do that by trusting God. So even if you do something that is going to mess up what I'm trying to do, I don't get mad at you. I don't get mad at God because I'm trusting God. I say, okay, God's going to work it for good. All right. You know, that's the way it is. Now, let's be honest. Does that mean that I don't have this burning in my stomach and my irritation is growing and my head is ready to blow off? No, all those things are definitely in play. You know, they're definitely there. But there's something stronger than all of those things that I described that, you know, that hurt brings and then irritation brings and all of those things, and that is God. And God is, is it. The ultimate sin now is not asking Yeshua into your life. I believe that most of you have already done that. Uh, we see, and, and you know, I had mentioned that this covenant with Yeshua, this new covenant, is unconditional. But that's not 100% true. Because you, though it's there for the taking, you still have to take it. You have to do something. You have to allow Yeshua into your life. And even though the Noahic covenant was unconditional, Noah had to trust God to build an ark when it hadn't rained yet. I mean, come on. That's, that's a lot of trust. So we see here that James 4.17, if, if you know the right thing to do and you do not do it, that's sin. That's sin. If you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that's sin. Think of all the times where your conscience has said, you know, it would really be right to do that. Eh, I don't really feel like that. That's sin. So <laughs> sin isn't just killing people and stealing from them. Sin is actually when you don't do what is right. So, surely as believers, if we know what God considered evil, we would try not to do it, right? And you've agreed with me, hopefully, when I've said it multiple times, and you are willing to not put yourself first. That's what you're saying. Because when we put ourselves first, we're sinning. And that is the sin that leads to all other sins, in my opinion. Each sin whether it's Adam and Eve, Abraham, Moses, King David, all sins at that moment, the lure of sin was stronger than our relationship with God. Our perceived need to or want was greater in our life than our choice to serve God. We're weak because it's all about pleasing ourselves. 
the most difficult sin, in my opinion, is to is to acknowledge sin. That is the most difficult part of, of this whole thing. Because this, if you stole, you knew you sinned. Not a problem. If you admit you steal, you will admit that you've sinned. However, the way we speak and the way we deal with relationships... We are not willing to say we sinned. In fact, most of the time, we're sure that it was you. Or you. Or somebody. But not me. Because I had a reason for what I did. You, on the other hand, could have no reason. They're not possible. Not possible. And that's what kills conversations. That's what divides us. It's so I was so sick this week of the news, I decided to try uh, something. I, I, I still wanted to hear something stimulating in the political kind of thing. And so I, I started watching this show called... I think it's called the Washington Journal. I don't know if anybody watches it. It's, and it's, um, they, they don't really tell you what they think. They just give you news. And then they have people calling up to tell what they think. And, but it, it helped me hear what other people think. I don't think we want to know what other people think, actually. <laughs> they either agree with us or they're wrong. <laughs> and so there's a little tension in our country <laughs> because of that. Because if you're not them, you're wrong. And them could be the Democrats, or them could be the Republicans, or them could be the Independents. But if you're not them, you're wrong. And we cannot be like that. So if we want to stop sinning, it really ha we have to be able to have relationship. We have to listen to people. We have to have real conversations where... We, even when our, whatever it is that happens inside of us starts to boil, we learn to listen anyway, and we learn to respect, and we learn to care about other people who are different than us. And this is extremely difficult, and this is why we as believers sin so often. Because it is very hard to do. But if you know that God wants you to do it, wouldn't that be something that you would at least aim for? Amen. I'm thinking. So how do we stop sinning? I have two thoughts. Number one, we have to learn to recognize our sin. We have to be able to look at ourselves. It's, it's bottom line. If you, if you don't look at yourself... And, and look at yourself objectively. There's just no way. I mean, people can talk to you till you're blue in the face. It's not going to make a difference. Secondly, you have to find a way, find a way 
to make God bigger than whatever you're upset with. That's all. God has to be bigger in your life than whatever the other thing is. We're all different, you know? We, come, we, we have different backgrounds, everything. God reaches us in different ways. However, until trusting him is of greater importance than our own needs, our sin is unavoidable. Unavoidable. So how do you make God bigger in your life? Well, uh, first you deal with your mind. Um, number one, think and meditate about God, his ways, and his, script, his scripture more often during the day. Just you know, I used to, and, and I, I haven't done this in a while, and I might start doing it again. I had like little cards, and I put them in my pocket, and then I'd pull one out in the middle of the day and just read it. Uh, these were scriptures that I picked because I knew they touched me in such a way that they bring me back to uh, a center away from the darkness of this world. Um, two, memorize scripture that worships God. Just memorize some scripture that, that is a worship to God. Number three, seek to identify sin, which I've already spoken about. And then, and immediately, discard those thoughts from your mind. Now, how do you do that? That's a good question. I'm not sure. But I do know that entertaining bad thoughts is not good. And so, at the very least... Don't invite the bad thoughts into your head. Don't entertain them. Don't think about them. Distract yourself. We're good at that. Distract yourself. Give yourself something else to do so that you won't be thinking about the garbage. Number four, proclaim scriptures that declare who you are in the Lord. So, just as an example, I, mem I talked about in, in number, one, uh, number two to memorize scripture. Uh, a great scripture to memorize to worship God is Psalm 103 to 5. Why don't you read it with me? Know that Adonai, he is God. It is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Praise him. Bless his name for Adonai is good. His loving kindness endures forever. Faithfulness to all generations. And already there's a sense of uplifting as regardless of what's going on in your, in your heart and your mind, and if you have that memorized, how great. If you go down to um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, I think we have it up there. Uh, so we want to proclaim scriptures that declare who you are in the Lord. For the love of Messiah, here you read it with me, for the love of Messiah compels us since we have concluded that one died for all. As a result, all died. And he died for all so that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Oh, boy, that's heavy. I mean, just think about it. That is heavy. I mean, that's what the whole message has been about, <laughs> this verse. He died for us so that we would no longer live for ourselves, 
but would live for him, which would mean we'd also be living for others. Then we have to not only get our mind in order, we have to get our heart in order. And, and I have just three, uh, two th quickies there. Practice being thankful at all times. Practice speaking thoughts of God. That's it. That gets into our heart. Our, look, our heart becomes what the mind and the mouth focus on. They are interrelated. So just focus on that. And thirdly, our spirit. We, we need our spirit to, to really be uplifted. And the more time we spend in the presence of the Lord, the more we will allow God's spirit to reign in our lives. Acknowledge and allow the spirit of God to lead you. You know, one of the things that the enemy has done, and it really gets me mad when he, there's so many things that he's done to hurt believers. And one of the things is that some of you have had experiences with believers, and I won't even mention a group or any, because it's, it's really, but you feel like they've misused the gifts of the Spirit. And so now you're closed off to the gifts of the Spirit because of those people who misused it. You're closed off to God making you fall because you've seen people being pushed and fall. They say they're fallen in the spirit and they look like they've been thrown down. Uh, you know, but that's the enemy trying to get into your head and say, because this is done wrong, it's false. And it's not. The gifts of the Spirit is just one example. But there are other examples. I mean, just, but the Holy Spirit has a purpose in our life. And if we shut that, it's just like saying, well, I'm not accepting Yeshua as Messiah. There might be a God and, and everything will work out fine. But, um, but we know that there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Yeshua. But, but the same thing, in a sense, is with the Holy Spirit. If you don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit into your life, you will just say that you, you won't have a place for God to do miracles in your life. And you need to open yourself up to the power of God's Spirit. Finally, when correcting your sinful behavior... Please remember this. Go to Romans 8, 1 and 2. When correcting yourself, because some of you are your worst enemy. You don't like it when I condemn you. Then stop condemning yourself. Because I don't condemn you. But the point is this. There's no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. For the law of the spirit of life in Messiah Yeshua has set you free from the law of sin and death. And you just have to believe that. You have to take it by faith. You have to understand that by faith. Because it makes no sense. But it does make sense in God's kingdom. And it does make sense for what you need to live a life of joy and peace as opposed with struggling and, and, and sensing all the, the terrible things that have 
come, I, I was just telling somebody before services, um, some of you might have, um, now don't boo me, some of you might have Amazon Prime, and uh, they send you or show you new movies each month, and uh, the movie, one of the movies that came in this month was Johnny, and if, how many of you know Johnny Erickson? Oh my goodness, very few. Well, if you don't, but see this movie, one of the interesting things about this movie, as I've mentioned to a few people, is that uh, she becomes a quadru quadriplegic, and, and this is a true story. And in fact, when she's going through her yearbook, um, in the middle of the movie, uh, my brother-in-law is pictured there, um, because they, went, they were in the same class. Um, and in fact, he had a very tragic death. But uh, she, um, you know, she's a quadriplegic. And, you know, she goes from, because it was due to a, a swimming, you know, a diving accident. And so she, um, she's going through this thing about blaming God. And then she, you know, these guys who were interested in her all of a sudden are no longer interested. And she's going through all these awful things in life that it, you just, you can't even imagine how just being in, in the hospital room on a flat bed and every two hours the nurse comes and turns it over so you don't get bed sores for months and months and months. At any rate, she has an amazing ministry. An amazing ministry. She sings, she paints she, uh, with her mouth. She, she, uh, she um, speaks. She speaks at, 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 at all sorts of conven um, conferences and stuff. Just an amazing woman. My point is this, that with God, you can do all things. You can do all things with God. And I don't understand it. She doesn't understand it, why God chose not to heal her. Because God could have healed her. But he chose not to. And so she has made an incredible life. Just Google her. Find out about her. Watch the movie. It's, it's worth watching. It all begins with our relationship with God, with our through Yeshua the Messiah. He's our atonement. He's the one who will revive us. He is the one who will get us excited. So I pray that if for some reason you're tired today and you're allowing sin to rule over your life, either in your thoughts or your words or your actions. Let's pray now. Father, release me from sin in the name of Yeshua. That's my prayer, Lord. Release me. Release my mind from desiring it. Release my heart from trying to satisfy my mind. Release my actions from anything that would be against you. Lord, I pray for everybody here in the name of Yeshua that, that sin would no longer be the, the doorkeeper of the jail, 
that they're in, but that we would be freed from jail. Lord, you came uh, not only to free us from Egypt, but to free us from sin. And so, Father, we pray in the name of Yeshua to be free. Secondly, I pray for anybody who does not know Yeshua as their Messiah. Father, pour out your Spirit in the name of Yeshua and let people come to know you by saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe in Yeshua. I accept your atonement for my sins. I am clean because of you. I dedicate my life to you. Now revive me, Lord. 